I'm Terry Moore, and you're on CKNW. And this afternoon, we talked to a station manager, the manager of WKRP Cincinnati, Gordon Jump. Have you ever worked in broadcasting? Yes, as a matter of fact, Terry, I have. I started my career at a station called KMAN in Manhattan, Kansas. I was going to replace uh, for the summer their, their disc jockey, one of their disc jockeys. I lasted three days, got canned. <laughs> Uh, it, it was a short trip. Uh, the manager called me into his office, and I'll never forget it. it was a daytime operation, sun up to sundown station, and the announcers there had to read the transmitter, pull your own news copy, pull, you know, cue your own records, run your own board, uh, and, and you, it was, I was a mess. I was a nervous wreck by the time I got done with my first day's shift. When did this transition of acting take place? I've known really that I wanted to be an actor since I was about six years of age and saw my first dime movie as a kid. But I thought I could enter in through the broadcasting end of the business. And uh, interestingly enough, the man that fired me from that station saw me do some stand-up comedy work at the university. And he called the manager, a new manager of a television operation in Topeka, Kansas. And this man's name was Thad Sandstrom. He said, the manager, Lowell Jack, said, Thad, if you don't hire this kid, he said, I think you're making a mistake. He said, uh, I fired him. But he, I, said, I saw him do some stand-up comedy. And he, he, I said, he said, I think he's, he's a talent that you should look at. Well, anyway, Thad gave me a call. I went up to Topeka, which was some 60 miles away. And... We visited, and he decided that he would start me at the station, and he really started me at the bottom. I, I swept floors and, you know, the whole bit until we got going. And I started writing copy, and then I did the new, the weather. Yeah. And uh, then I did a children's show on the weather. And then I ended up uh, producing all of the radio and television stuff that that operation did. And it was, uh, it was a, a station that had a combined radio and television facility on the same right. in the same building. Right. So my my roots were in broadcasting, and I, from there I went to Avco and from uh, in in Ohio and then back to the coast. Well, you certainly bring then to the role uh, some high degree of experience, so the identification of being a station manager is not is not all that difficult to uh, to perform. Oh, the station manager really, Terry, came out of three three people that I worked with, all in management positions. Yeah. Uh, I should say first of all that that the, the creation of the character itself is Hugh Wilson's. Yeah. And uh, he's done a marvelous job in the initial creation of it. What he's allowed me to bring to it is my my little computer's worth of of background that uh, about the three characters that I use for three particular aspects of Arthur Carlson's uh, character. Uh, the the uh, the decision making aspect of it is one individual. The uh, pomposity of Arthur Carlson comes from another individual, and then uh, finally the. Uh, uh, the gentle quality, the understanding, the human characteristics of Arthur Carlson come out of, my, out of myself and another manager that I work with, a man that I love dearly by the name of George Gray, who was a great television manager. One gets the feeling on the show that there is an incredible amount of, um, of warmth within the cast itself, within the staff that's working on it. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, we all have a tremendous respect for each other. Uh, I recognize uh, the other seven actors as, as marvelous talents and and, uh, and and with varying facets. Frank Bonner, for example, has uh, uh, the ability not only to be a fine actor and a very funny man in his own right, but he's an excellent director, a very sensitive director. And uh, what he brings what he brings to the show uh, 
is a two two face coin. You know, it's it's uh, he's bringing directorial talent and 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 his artistic talent. Uh, we have Venus uh, Flytrap, Tim Reed, who is not only a fine actor, a very funny comedian, but he's also a fine writer, and he's, he's written uh, several scripts for us. Uh, same with, uh, with Richard Sanders, who plays Les Nesman. Right. Uh, Ronnie, uh, Lonnie, rather, uh, her beauty, uh, her charm, her personality, uh, they're nice in and of their own right, but there's a gal with a great deal of depth as, a, as an actress. We talked a little bit about the about the feel on the show and the the, the type of uh, atmosphere that that you're working in. Generally speaking, with situation comedies, with the pressure that's on, because there are so many sitcoms out there that you know that they hit and maybe they they stick around for 13 weeks or whatever it may be. But there's got to be an incredible pressure on you people to keep the quality alive all the time. How do you deal with that? Um, you. Well, first of all, you've got to have a talent that realizes that that pressure is there yeah. and is willing to cope with it. And, and we're fortunate enough to have have uh, myself and, and, and the seven other people that are, are the actors on the show uh, are people that are willing to go 101%, 100% of the time. And, and if the writers give us stuff to work with, we'll make it happen. It's just that kind of a a kind of a group of people the chemistry is is marvelous the and and that's a very difficult thing to put together when you when you build a show initially to find that much talent that is so harmonious and will work so well together in our environment and and i, I have to attribute this to hugh wilson we have a tremendous amount of creative input i mean uh, what well, we have we have uh actors that are writers we have actors that are directors we have uh, uh, a great rapport between the real staff writers right. the, the, those seven eight people that are willing to you as performers yeah right. yeah and 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 they're willing to come to us if they get into trouble and i know of no other no other uh, set that will do this no other company that will do this but we've had wilson uh, hugh wilson come down and say look we have a development problem in what we're going after and and maybe you can help us resolve it. Here's I'm going to lay the ground rules for you and see what you, what ideas you can give me. And he'll tell us the ground rules and where they want to go with it, and where their problem lies. And if we can contribute something to that, he will give us the opportunity to, to add that input. Um, very rarely do you find that. There's no uh, there's no feeling uh, to my. To my knowledge, there's no feeling of insecurity in the in the people that are doing the show, to that point where they're afraid that somebody else is going to outdo them in some other area. Everybody is confident in their own right. Each character is very clearly defined. There isn't any overlap in in characters as far as uh, as taking one's type of one uh, one other character's type of comedy and using it for your own. Uh, you just don't have that. So. We've got a lot of good things going for us that was put put there initially by Hugh when he cast it. At this stage in your career, and uh, with you and your wife now, with the amount of time that people uh, do or don't get to spend together, has there or is there now a greater opportunity for quality time to spend with, you, with each other than there was when you first started out as an actor, when you're really getting into the grind? Oh, uh, we I, I have a marvelous mother-in-law. Uh, Ma her, her name was was Maggie Inge, and she's not with us now. But when we first started into this business 18 years ago, and we were bemoaning the fact that we did not, you know, the the jobs were not coming as fast as they were. <clears throat> Mom used to say, "Well, look, you two, 
cherish these moments that you have together now. And she believed in my talent. She said, because there's going to come a day when you're not going to have this time together. Yeah, and, that and that's the situation. It really is. How do you feel about that, Anna? Well, when, we, um, when Gordon is home and, uh, and he is, is not the author Carlson, <laughs> but he's dad and he's my husband, um, he doesn't bring it home with him. And he, he really gives us prime time. And, right. and um, we like to do a lot of things as a family. But, but uh, I think the children know that when daddy's working on a script, they, you know, they stay away. But when daddy's ready to play, let's get in there and have some good quality play. How many, how many children do you have? Well, we have um, actually four. We have three three daughters and then a granddaughter that lives with us. So we have four girls. Small Gordon harem. Gordon and his harem. Constantly surrounded. And oh, he loves right. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Uh, my oldest girl, Cindy, is interested in, in acting, and she's done some things. She's been on Days of Our Lives and right. uh, some commercial work. And um, This past week, I directed a show. And uh, it's called the, the Development of Venus, uh, the Creation of Venus. And uh, I had, didn't have time to spend around the house. I was extremely busy, tied up with not only doing my role, but also performing now as a director. And she took her time out of her week off, her, her time off during the week, to come and visit the set just to sit back and see what was happening, what I was doing, and how I was doing it. Uh, had I not caught her out of the corner of my eye, I wouldn't have even known she was in the studio. But she stayed up in the, in the audience section and watched what was doing for about two and, three, two and a half, three hours, and then left without ever letting me know she was coming or going. But this, this is just the type of kid she is. She, she wanted to spend some time seeing what I was doing so that when I had time to come back to the the house, so to speak, we could talk about what she had seen, what she would see when she saw the show done actually on the air, and <clears throat> share those those moments together, uh, sort of have a uh, an area of interest that we sure. both could discuss. And sure. just, this, it makes it kind of nice. There's another thing too, um, because of his the demand for Gordon, it uh, gives us a chance to go and and meet and and see people we would never have a how how That's else true. would I come to Vancouver and meet That's all the true. marvelous people yeah. and um, everywhere we go we try to take a little bit we'll take Vancouver back to our children and we'll tell them where we stayed and what happened and they share a little bit of it with us too and so we have what we call a family home evening we try to have it once a week mm -hmm. and and our family home evening coming up we will talk about Vancouver and what happened and they share it and they look forward to that Possibly we could have an exchange program uh, where you send us uh, some of your sunshine and we'll send you down some of our rain uh, when that becomes needed. I tell you, uh, this place even looks nice when it's raining. Oh, I, it's lovely. I'd, I'd anticipated snow, really, but uh, I'm sure that this rain will pass very quickly. It's a typical uh, Southern American um, uh, phobia that the name Canada bemoans snow and cold weather. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You mentioned to me, I think, prior to actually going on air, that there was certainly some indication that your show was going to survive, uh, hopefully for another year. It's been on for four now. When you look at it on that basis, when you get involved in a series like that, what is the, what's the optimum that you really want it to be at? Three to four years, then it gets into syndication? Well, they usually like to have at least 100 shows for syndication. Right. We're, as we stand at the end of this year, 
we're about 13 shows short of 100. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're hoping, of course, that we'll have uh, an opportunity to fill out that full 100. Mm -hmm. We would like to be able to carry the show, uh, and, and hopefully our, our audience would support us in this, carry the show for another couple of years. This would, this would be great. We would, we would have more than 100 shows for syndication. Uh, you don't have to have that many, but that's considered the, the magic number, you know. Um, we'd, we'd like to have uh, that many shows for syndication and, and be able to add to that number in syndication. Uh, also, we think it would be nice to, to be able to go another couple of years because we think we've got a lot more things to talk about and a lot, a lot of interesting things to, uh, to share with our audiences. Uh, radio stations are marvelous places to work, and I'm sure you'd be the first to, to agree with me here. It's exciting. The, the radio people are a little different than most people. Most people uh, are resistant to change. People in broadcasting are an unusual breed of character. They, uh, they deal with change all their life. Mm -hmm. This is their livelihood. And you have to be different to deal with change and to make it work for you. And that's the type of people that are in broadcasting. And the situations that produce the change, the, the, the things that happen within a community that are important to the, the television radio stations, uh, they're exciting things. And we've, we've, we've only told a few of those stories. We've spent a lot of time looking at our, our characters, and we'll continue to do that, too. It's a question for the two of you. You ready for this? You ready for this? Here it comes. Here comes, here comes the big heavy. <laughs> How much do you think that the two of you have changed with each other since your success? Gosh. Well, Anna's gotten prettier, actually, as years oh, ago. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Also meaner. I don't know what to do. <laughs> she has found more ways to spend my money. <laughs> You lie. Do you catch her on Rodeo Drive all the time? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, I, I, someone said, how do you stop a charging elephant? I, you take away the crack. Life has been better for us. Um, I think by virtue of that, I think that uh, we've probably become a little more relaxed. Um, but we're, st we're still basically, I think, mm -hmm. the same people that we were. And yeah, if I start to you know, come home saying, hey, boy, did you read those reviews? Or, hey, let's like, catch that article. And said, my wife says, yeah, wait till I get to your sock drawer and cut a hole in your socks. <laughs> then you come back down to, you know, I'll keep you humble. And, and she does. What's, what's the toughest, leanest time that the two of you can remember together? <laughs> 18 well, years tough, ago, yeah. 18 years ago when we came to California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Neither this of us. From the Midwest. This was from the Midwest. Yeah. Both of us had given up good jobs to come to California on our honeymoon. Really, you have to you have to remember too that we were thirty two. And we were thirty two years old, which is kind of late of age, to start in the business. And we walked away from from good paying jobs to go to California to do what we wanted to do, and it was uh, a good five six weeks before e either one of us was able to to locate a paying job. Anna happened to be first. Mine would come later doing some lecture work for, of all people, or all places, Forest Lawn. Uh, it's an indicative of your lecturing. <laughs> Digby Odell. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. Well, it's a nice place to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> As Johnny Carson says, it's the Disneyland for the shut-ins. Um, it, uh, in, in actuality, uh, I would we'd go out to club groups and talk about the uh, the artwork that uh, that they have there. But I don't think that was the 
that was a, a time we we laughed a lot because we had you know two dollars in the bank and we laughed and hooted right. and whatever. But I think the lean time came as Gordon was beginning to to roll. He was beginning to get parts and um, the pilot with the the Shirley Booth because. With the lean times came uh, sorrow. We had passing of family members and uh, parents and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, you, it seemed like we could not cope with one before something else. We went through a six-month period in which... Uh, went through a year. Well, it was a year. And you might want to tell us some of that. You speak so well. No, well, I thought you were doing very <laughs> I well. I you all, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we had a, a, a full year, really, of, of, uh, of problems. Um, I lost my father. Uh, we lost a son. We uh, lost a series. And uh, then shortly after that, I lost my mother. Mm -hmm. And very soon after that, which was not within that year's period of time, but, but relatively soon after that, Anna lost her mother. And uh, boy, those things have a oh, yeah. marked and sobering effect. Um, fortunately, we were, we were able to, uh, uh, to deal with that. Um, and we think we grew from that, those experiences. Well, I think so. It, you know, you, you talk about these things. They always have, you have a wonderful life and all. And I think you pay your dues. I think yeah. Gordon has paid his dues. And um, Gordon is very un-Hollywoodish. Uh, therefore, a lot of things affect him. And uh, he doesn't just, he's not a surface person, so he has a lot of deep feelings. And um, when you lo lose a son, and the only son we had, and um, these things affect you, and it, a little part of you dies with all of this. A little part's that. gone. Yeah. But also it gives him that type of reference that he can utilize maybe later in a part. I've seen him utilize some things in, in which he was talking about a son, and, and he would, would get an emotion or something yeah. maybe he couldn't have otherwise. But um, throughout it all, you know, we became much closer and we, we grew together. You know, it's an interesting comment that you made that Gordon and you are not Hollywoodish because with my experiences in interviewing so many of you people in the profession down there, uh, the Dick Van Pattens and several other people, that I get the same feeling and I get the same comment that, you know, the, the picture that's painted about Hollywood uh, is, I think, has been a disservice done by Hollywood itself to its people because it is a city that is Beverly Hills or wherever that is full of um, people who are honest, who are hardworking, uh, God knows, mm -hmm. to get on that set every morning to work on a day-to-day -day basis. You can't be out uh, partying it up and, and boozing it up and taking the drugs the way that the television and motion pictures have painted it over the years. It just isn't true. No, it, uh, and, and if, if you fall into that, that type of lifestyle, your lifestyle is, is really uh, going to change. It's going to come to an abrupt, a rather brief halt. Uh, I'm sure that uh, because of the pressures of the industry, because of, of the demands of the schedules, that there are those that, uh, that just to kind of hang on in the storm, yeah. so to speak, may go to narcotics or go to booze or whatever it is. But overall, you take a look at the, the total Hollywood population, you'll find that uh, those that sustain themselves for a long period of time, those that are the most hardworking, uh, are those that are very solid people. Mm -hmm. Very good people. And good foundations. They yeah. have something to build on. Well, I, I mentioned in, a, in an interview that I had with Kirk Douglas uh, about this time last year uh, in Beverly Hills, and he stated, I, I said to him, I said, Hollywood is painted as a tinsel town. He says, God, it's not a tinsel town. He said, it is a town of tough steel. He says, you've got to be tough to survive here, and you've got to work hard. You do. You have to believe in what you're doing. 
it, it takes and a tremendous tremendous amount of, of self-discipline. Mm -hmm. It takes a tremendous amount of self-confidence. And if you're fortunate enough to have a, a wife that's willing to go along and support you under the most terrific bombardment of negatives, the most terrific bombardment of rejection, and this is what most actors and actresses experience, at least through their earlier careers, um, you know, you, you, you're just a very fortunate man. I happen, to, I happen to have a gal that supports me in that way. Anna came out of show business. She was a singing comedian before I met her. Mm -hmm. uh, she knew what the business was like. She believes in me, and, and I can't tell you how fortunate I am. Don't you think, too, though, you've got to have a sense of humor <laughs> to oh, tie it oh, all in? Boy, do you. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't take yourself too seriously either. No, you know? it, it, that makes a great, a, a great 11th commandment. Thou shalt not take thyself too damn seriously. <laughs> and use the word damn. Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. And if there's any thunderclass from heaven, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Listen, he used it an awful lot in his book. Oh, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and in the movie, George was getting hit all the time. <laughs> That's right. Let, let me go back to this question about about uh, acting once again for with you I don't know how accurate this is but some people tell me that there is a marked difference between the person who is quote unquote an actor and a person who is a comedy actor do you see a difference in that uh, yes yeah, matter of fact I, I do I uh, and I, I think in, in, in my believing in myself, in my understanding of myself, and without, without trying to sound conceited, I think I play both sides of that coin fairly well. I think I can do a pretty decent dramatic job, and I can also do a pretty decent comedy job because I've, I've been given a gift of timing, wherever yes. that comes from. Yes. I can't take credit for that. It's something right. that happened. But in the comic himself, in, in, the, in the pure comic, uh, there's that quality in the individual, that, that, that irony of spirit that is able to take reality and bend it out of shape to the point where it's funny. Mm -hmm. And the, the genuine actor's actor, the serious actor, is trying to make reality as real as he can possibly make it. Good point. And it's very difficult to find the, the right combination mm -hmm. in a single actor. Usually one's a very good comedy actor, mm -hmm. and one's a very good serious actor. And it's hard to bridge the, bridge the gap. And often they won't let you bridge the gap either. No, uh, by virtue of the fact, particularly in Hollywood, that it's, it's a town of, of types mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to actors, uh, you fall into a type. I, I know when I first started, a, one of the casting directors uh, said something about I, he can't sustain a, a, a series. And, and, and I, you know, you, you hear this as it comes back. Um, one of my agents said to me, uh, uh, was sending a casting director to see something that I did in a play. And he said, based on what I saw him do, I'd never hire him. Interestingly enough, a few weeks later, he turned around and hired me. And he had seen my work. <laughs> it's a crazy business. And crazy business. Absolutely. Crazy business. You notice how Terry, though, um, is very Hollywoodish. He keeps dropping people's names and things. Did you notice I that? I noticed yeah, that. Yeah, dropper. he's a name Boy, dropper. He's Hollywoodish. <laughs> hey, I've got a whole bunch more. We'll listen to keep going. We'll return in just a few moments. Please stand by. I'm Terry Moore, and you're on NW. We've talked about some of the lean times that, that you've both gone through. Now that the, the series is successful and that you are in demand, 
How has the lifestyle changed, aside from being more relaxed? Well, the lifestyle has changed a, a little bit. I, um, and the fact that I know my husband, it's kind of sad in a way. My husband leaves every day and, and you know, is with Lonnie Anderson and has lunch with her. And <laughs> I just give him his heart pills and send him on, you know, but that's changed. <laughs> I always come home for dinner. Huh? I know. I know. You better. It's a week later. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <clears throat> Lifestyle changes. Well, we got rid of all that, you know, plastic furniture. We know that's some real wood. Uh, that's nice. Uh, we're not we, we're not decorating the house in early Akron anymore. It, where do you live in Los Angeles? We live in, in a marvelous area. It's best kept secret in town. Right. It's called Glendale. Glendale. <laughs> Glendale. Great. And uh, Glendale. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Glendale is sort of uh, an unHollywoodish Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's nestled between Burbank and uh, uh, Pasadena and the Los Angeles smog. And it, somewhere in there, it's been undercover so long that nobody realizes that it's there. It's, a, it's like a small town. We, we know the butcher. You know, we know the baker and uh, even the candlestick maker. Right? But the kids go to a, a school that's really interested in giving a quality education. And it's a public school, if you can believe that, in, in America anymore. <clears throat> so you've... You've got, uh, we've got a lot of what we think are tremendous things going for us. The family enjoys what I think is a normal growing up relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have a lovely home in that area. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Have you, have you, and I, I don't want to pry if it's too personal. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, yes, I do. So I know. Oh, well, oh, here we go. All right, then I'll do oh, it. Okay. okay, here we go. Have you had good management uh, with your income, and have you been able to, to direct it into other areas so when the time comes to hang up the cleats that uh, you're going to be okay? We've, we've done fairly well. I, I made the mistake of getting a, a manager. Oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Is that another story? Oh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's yeah. another show. That's a very sad one. And, and I don't know whether it was a mistake, but I got rid of him. And uh, that was very costly. Yes. Now, if, if, we can get, if we can get through all the court costs and one thing and another, uh, it, it, these were... I, you I think know, they were humbling experiences, honey. Don't you think humbling? Well, I, I tell you one thing. I got 20-20 hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> And this this is where so many of the actors and we've learned a lesson, is they got an entourage. Yeah. And they you know they've got the manager and they've got the this and that and the other. And Gordon has found out that you need a good agent. He has happens to have a good commercial agent and a good uh, television and uh, mm -hmm. picture agent. Mm -hmm. you, and you need a good PR girl. And that's basically what you need. And you can handle your own stuff. And a good attorney. Yeah. And a good accountant. <laughs> and a good accountant. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. true. And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think if you have if you have benefit of those four services, you can do you can do very well. We've tried mm -hmm. to invest wisely. Mm -hmm. uh, we've tried to manage our money uh, as as frugally as we can. We certainly don't throw it away. Mm -hmm. But we have been put into some situations that have have been compromising in many ways. The situation with the manager, he gave me some advice about what I should do with a personal corporation, for example, mm -hmm. that um, was misadvice and ended up in, in costing me over $45,000. Now, uh, that type of service you don't need. And, and 
but you, you don't know this going in. No, you don't. No. These are things that you have to learn, and unfortunately, they're, they're expensive mistakes. Isn't it true, and it may not be true in your case, but generally speaking, that most performers and people in the creative work are very, very bad with their money? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say as, as, as a rule of thumb, that's very true. It's, it's difficult to expend the energy and the thought processes and, and the, everything that's a part of acting. And also handle the the finances that are a part of it, and and the tragedy of all of this is that uh, there is so much money that we're talking about, but over such a brief period of time, in many instances, that if you don't handle it well, you you come up, you know, we decided knee deep in canal water. (laughs) (laughs) We decided when we first got married that we were going to um, not fall in the trap, and when we did get a job, we would buy something that we could use as an investment. So we started, uh, we bought oil paintings, don't you remember, we'd be about $10 a week for them, you know, <laughs> $10, a week, $2 down. And we started with oil paintings, and then as we got a, you got a few more jobs, we went into cut glass, and then went into a few other antique type things, and um, we, which we like to collect. And we decided when we, we bought our, our home that we would not buy uh, furniture that as it went through the door, you know, it, mm-hmm. the, it would just decrease uh, decreased in value. Decrease, so we went to antiques. Right. We and found we'd pick up as we, we'd pick up one as along as so we So has could. it paid off in the long it's, run? It's paid oh, yeah. off, yeah. 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 Every piece of furniture we have is an yeah. investment. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And as we walked out of the store with it, it was, uh, it was appreciating. It wasn't depreciating yeah. in value. And with the idea that if our children needed something or we need something, we could sell it. What type of, of activities are you involved in? Do you play tennis? Do you boat? Do you uh, mountain climb, ski, mm-hmm. Fish, what? When I have time, uh, I love to fish, but I, I don't have... This is God's country for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Um, I, I enjoy outdoor activities, uh, uh, walking, tennis, uh, swimming, um, and we do as much of that as, as time permits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, keep active in, in civic affairs. I'm particularly uh, uh, conscious of, of this... Uh, the thing we call cancer and leukemia, and I, I work with a, a laboratory that does pure research on that, Bob Hippel Cancer Research uh, Laboratory at Wright State University, um, and help them raise the money that they need for, for that type of research. Uh, these things are very rewarding to me. I, I, I don't think we sit still a minute, do we, in, no. in our off period? Uh, you know, Sophie, I'm sitting here watching the two of you uh, this afternoon, and you're both incredibly comfortable with each other. There's a very, very close bond here. It's more than just the fact that you're uh, that your husband and wife, but you're very good friends. We are. We, that, that's that's, that's, that's the it. secret. Yeah. We started out being uh-huh. very, very good friends yeah. before we fell in love, and I think that's the now secret that's to any relationship. Isn't that great? Yeah. I wish some of our young people and our daughters, especially <laughs> our oldest one, could, could learn this. That yeah. this Might meaningful relationship that everybody has to—that's marvelous. But but if yeah. you could just get to be friends and laugh and enjoy each exactly. other and have a lot yeah. of fun, because later on, uh, you know, when the kids are gone and all, we got it's just us and That's we don't right. have to laugh. That and, and your sweat. antiques and boy, antiques don't keep you warm at night. Do they? <laughs> no, no, they sure don't. <laughs> it's, it's the type of stuff that we will do. I, we, I walked in the the uh, the hotel room here and we're here, of course, to do the telethon right. uh, for Variety Club and right. and and uh, to help the people of of this area of the British Columbia. Uh, Vancouver to to feel comfortable giving money to to the support of something that's just ter- tremendously important to your community, 
And in the process of doing that, uh, they make us feel comfortable. And they, uh, as we came in the hotel room this afternoon, there was a box of candy, and, and it was wrapped in red paper. And so Anna didn't see this, and I knew that she didn't. So as soon as she got in, she got comfortable. I said, and here, darling, here's, here's your Valentine gift. And I brought it all the way from California. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I just, oh, honey, she said, this is wonderful. You're so thoughtful. And I didn't know, I, the cards are in the suitcase. I don't even have them signed yet. And I made her feel so bad. It made me feel so good. And it was about 10 minutes before, terrible. She, before she realized that, you know, well, that son of a gun. He couldn't have brought that in here. They haven't even brought the luggage up yet. Where'd that come from? And and then we laughed about that. But those are the tricks that we play on each other. Exactly. And it's, it's marvelous. It, this is this is what makes life so much fun. Sure. It is fun. You know, if the kids weren't asleep, she'd nudge me at three o'clock in the morning. She said, "Let's go get a hamburger." <laughs> well, you used to bundle them up and go. But I, you know, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't marry till I was thirty-two, and I was just taking anything that was breathing. But he did have to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> a breathing, uh, someone breathing with some humor. If I take time right. to follow those track shoe spikes, you'd never cut me. <laughs> May I thank the two of you for spending time with us this afternoon. You've both been a delightful guest on the program, and uh, all the best to you. And if there's anything we can ever do for you when you're back in Vancouver, don't hesitate to call. Oh, thank you. Thank nice you. to be with you, yes. Terry. Thank you. Wonderful.